0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Welcome along. First of all, apologies for there not being a USA review or a Wales preview episode. Uh, As I mentioned in the previous episode, uh, I did have some pre-planned personal commitments that I was never going to be in a position to do a USA Review Wales Preview 1 justice. Um, So, yeah, sorry about that, but welcome along, welcome back. Here we are. Now we can look back on Wales and towards Senegal. But before we do that, just wanted to mention something. If England's 0-0 against USA surprised you, and I read a lot online, Twitter and the like, obviously with people getting frustrated with it, Perhaps you haven't been watching England hard enough. Before you go getting frustrated, perhaps it's time to revisit your England history books. Nil-nil is probably one of our most common World Cup results. Let me take you through them. 1958, Brazil, nil-nil. 1962, Bulgaria, nil-nil. 1966, Uruguay, nil-nil. I don't need to remind you what happened that year. 1982, slightly different way they'd done the World Cup that year. Two round of 16 games we had. One against West Germany, one against Spain. They both ended 0-0. 1986, Morocco, 0-0. 1990, Netherlands, 0-0. Nigeria in 2002, 0-0. 2006 in the quarter-finals, Portugal. We obviously lost that one on penalties. 2010, Algeria. 0-0. And 2014, Costa Rica. Have a guess. 0-0. So, coupled with the USA game, that is 12 0-0 World Cup draws that England have had since 1958. I don't know, perhaps next time just think before we go getting frustrated maybe next time put a couple of quid on a nil nil but obviously I understand the frustration with the performance but having been to Nigeria in 2002 and Algeria in 2010 of course I get the frustration especially if you've been there for a nil nil all that way now As I've done in the previous episode, just a few observations that I thought I'd like to mention. These stats that occasionally pop up on the telly, total reception, forced turnovers. What are these? Are these relevant? This feels like a touch of the American footballs or basketball creeping in. Don't want that, do we? I certainly don't. The only stat that remotely concerns me is the one in the top left-hand, top right-hand corner, the one with the score. I've seen a lot of this nonsense creep in of late. XG, expected goals, go away, please. Opta stats have got a lot to answer for, because you then get into conversations with some type of people. Who start to quote you all these sort of stats as if they're of interest or of relevance when really they're just reeling off numbers. They're boring. I think that's my major gripe, especially with the TV, that one. Now the more the tournament has gone on, of course the more I'm reading and seeing that the organisation has been good, which is which is great to hear. Although it does seem still seem to be two hours to get into grounds being the uh, the advisory which is it's quite a long time isn't it now FIFA couldn't have an episode without speaking about them could I how to ruin too much of a good thing Gala's freed from desire song Much like the White Stripes Seven Nation Army track, FIFA and UEFA have the habit of sucking the life out of some songs, don't they? Freed From Desire was originally released in 1996 in Italy. It made number two in the UK charts a year later. I remember it being played at half time in Marseille when we played Russia in 2016 it was great atmosphere when that came on but I'm done with it now to give you an idea that song featured on Now 38 (laughs) the Now series is currently on number 113 I'm currently looking at the 2001 charts to see what FIFA are thinking about using next Now, a few of these seem quite a while ago now, but I just want to mention them. Japan beating Germany was a surprise. Uh, And that was the game where the Germans lined up for their team photo and all covered their mouths after they'd been denied to wear the one love armband. Quite a powerful statement, that one, I thought. Canada taking on Belgium, giving them a good run for their money was good to see. And then especially when they went ahead against Croatia. But following four Croat goals, the Canadians knew their time was up in Qatar. But inspiration for that country, I think, going forward. And what with them part hosting the next World Cup, times, I think, could be good for Canada. Spain beating Costa Rica 7-0. Sure, a lot of goals but I think you need to take into account the quality of the opposition, much like Iran in uh, in our first game. Now, Cristiano Ronaldo. Whatever you may think of him, he became the first player to score in five World Cups when he scored the opener against Ghana for Portugal. Previously, he'd scored against Iran in Germany 2006, North Korea in South Africa 2010. He scored against Ghana in Brazil 2014. And he famously scored a hat-trick against Spain in Russia. And followed up with one against Morocco. And then, of course, broke the record when he scored in Qatar. The World Cup is the one trophy that really eludes him, isn't it? Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Champions League... European Championships, Nations League. He has won the lot, apart from the World Cup. I'm sure many will already have him up there with Pelé, Maradona, but both of those have a World Cup winner's medal or two. So what would it take for Ronaldo to be in the same breath as those two, Pelé and Maradona? Can Portugal win it? Would that do it? It would make him up there with them. But I don't think Portugal's name is on this, I'm afraid. Now, I know I've mentioned empty seats before. And while some of the games appear to be more full now, when you get a glimpse of the corporate seats, usually above and behind the dugouts, these seem to be empty. I was watching Uruguay, South Korea. There was no one there. The only reason I can think this may be is because some of these games are on during the day and you would imagine corporate seats would be taken by employees of the businesses but whilst these games are on they may be currently at work I don't know I'm just surmising but it's it's not good to see but what I do love is it doesn't matter what game you're watching on the telly you can always spot a St George's Cross on display hanging behind the goal hanging just off centre along the touchline it's great I love seeing St George's Crosses there and whilst on the subject of flags great to see the England hope and glory surfer flags on a couple of occasions on the telly Uh, it was organised by the guys at Block 109 looked great well done guys well done And after a shaky start, the African sides have started to score some goals. Cameroon, Serbia was pretty entertaining, as was Ghana, South Korea. When was it that Pelé said an African side would win the World Cup? Was it 2006 or was it 2010? I can't remember now, but I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say it's not going to be this World Cup though. Belgium. I had a funny feeling that this wouldn't be a tournament for them. I can't remember if I... Said it on the podcast or not, but losing to Morocco was a bit of a surprise, with it being only Morocco's third ever World Cup tournament victory. And Qatar, as a team, nothing. This isn't their level. It might be their party, but (laughs) they're not good enough for it. Say what you like about them hosting and everything aside, it, there is a reason why they have never previously made it to the finals of a World Cup. They're awful. And as my good friend Dan said to me, this tournament, they've frankly caused no great shakes. Time to talk Wales, England's final group game. Barring any crazy results, we were we were already through, weren't we? Here to talk through it with me is Matt Asprey, England fan. Hi, Matt. Hi, Rosslow. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well now. Especially we are we are through to the knockouts once again.
0: Yes, uh, we are through. But um, actually, it was a clip that you retweeted earlier today when we are recording this, which is a, a Wednesday you did retweet a very valid clip from Bobby Robson saying like getting out the group doesn't have to be fashionable, just get out the group and then you can start getting down to the business end. So I think uh, there's a lot to, uh, I think that clip really sums up how we got through the group.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, how can I put it nicely? Um, Sofa supporters um, who maybe don't understand the Bobby Robson's way of thinking and, and, But to be honest, mine as well. Yeah, it's great to to play entertaining football and and win every game, but you've just got to get through the group. Doesn't matter how you do it, get through the group.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And we've got to, I think sometimes people keep forgetting this is a very unique World Cup in terms of when it's taking place. So a lot of the teams, um, like the European ones, some of them have had a week or two weeks off before this tournament, while a lot of the England players, are going straight in after what after what has been a hectic domestic schedule over here. You know, mostly it's been two games a week, um, whether it be European or Cup ties. So I think at some point the um, burnout was going to come. I think that came in the USA game, but I was joking that the USA game it was like the team was on Gatorade for USA. They were just like all over the shop. Um, but I think last last night's performance um, against Wales has exactly what the team needed not exactly the most glamorous first half that second half the euphoria the feel good factor it seems to have done the team a world of good ahead of the round of 16 game do
1: you think gareth set up that game the first half as if just to take it easy don't do anything silly play it at a tempo of i don't know 60 percent let's say Get through the first half, we'll see what happens, and then come out for the second half, and we'll really turn it up to eleven or whatever. Because you could see there was a a total transition from the the first half to the second half, and that could be coupled with Wales just flaking.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a valid point you bring up about the first half. I think what we was got bear in mind at these home nations clashes, as such, is that we'd expect the like. We'd, we'd expected Wales to be up for it, you know, come straight out the blocks and, you know, being, you know, sort of the first 15 minutes or so, it being a bit chaotic. But Wales were happy to sit back and let England, give England time on the ball. Even though there weren't that many chances, I was expecting a lot more, you know, crunching tackles from mm. Wales or, you know, just like trying to... Roughing it up. I know it's it was very played upon. You got this game being played in what is a tournament where you know the atmosphere ain't as uh, visceral. It seemed like there was more. It looked like there was more England fans there anyway. But I think I didn't expect Wales, regardless, because in there was pride on the line. I thought they'd be a lot more up for it than they were. Maybe because it was tiredness in the camp. Maybe that Iran defeat really, really put them down. I mean, I, I watched that game and. You know, you saw when Iran scored two quick goals, even though Wales were down to 10 men, Wales just got dejected. So maybe it was some of that energy seeping through as well. So, yeah, mate, I think Southgate has had enough of these home nation derby matches now where he sort of gets what happens. Um, the Scotland game was probably in the Euros last year It's probably a good warm-up for that oh. because, you know, I think... I think obviously with it being in England as well, that the vibe around that game is so much more magnified. And while the magnitude around this Wales game was big, it didn't feel like you know, for England it felt for England fans, including myself, it felt like a naught nor- like it's another game. Yeah. It was more I wanted England to look good rather than um, you know, try and make it a match for the ages, while, you know, Wales are I- I just didn't expect to see, I didn't expect to play how they played.
1: Yeah, for a team that needed four goals, they went a funny way about it. It was, there was nothing from them. Um, as you say, I, I was really expecting a a first five minutes of crunching tackles, that local derby mentality just, just wasn't there at all.
0: No, I think as well, it's down to the age of that squad. I mean, you know, Aaron Ramsey, Gareth Bale, the poster boys of that Welsh team, I'm gonna be brutally honest, if, if Wales didn't qualify for that World Cup, I think they might have thought about retiring, to be honest, if they hadn't qualified, uh um, they did. And, you know, with it being such a historic moment, I mean, if I was in their position, I'd want I'd still be like, I'm going to play, even if it means I've got to go in on one leg. Yeah. Um, but I think it was evident in Wales's first game against the USA, it wasn't Gareth Bale or Aaron Ramsey that was pulling the strings in that second half, for example. It was for more, so it made the difference so I think that says a lot that the fact now I think it's going to be difficult for them but I think it's you know I think it's because Wales in that squad are carrying a few bodies which really shouldn't have been there but you know you can't fault for doing it because it's a once in a lifetime thing probably for most of those players
1: yeah no too right well we all know that football now World Cups is a, is a squad game Um and Gareth really implemented that yesterday he knew pretty much we were we were through barring as i say some crazy results changed it around um we had walker come in henderson rashford and foden the, the call for foden to come in was was getting louder um as the uh, the days went on leading up to the game and he he could have sort of lived up to it didn't he in in the end
0: yeah i mean it always happens with um in matches doesn't it in a tournament if one player doesn't players uh, play, it's like, you know, a riot will ensue. But um, no, Foden Foden and Rashford did what they needed to do, was to give Southgate a headache ahead of Senegal on Sunday. And, you know, the first first half, they weren't really in it, but then it took Southgate just to swap them round, swap them to the other side of the pitch, and they were flawless. And I think uh, Foden was told... Stop worrying about passing the passing the ball off. Have a run at have a run at this Wales team because you know there's it's more likely not like gonna draw like you're going to draw a foul and put in a good position. That's exactly what happened for the first goal was that he got fouled, puts in a perfect position with a free kick, and then Marcus Rashford uh, puts it in. But I think um, the phone and Rashford to make a claim for to for a starting place in future games. I think they could have come come at a better time.
1: Exactly. I mean, especially Rashford, the uh, the confidence that that you could see just came in the second half of that game. He had an opportunity in the first 10-15 minutes of, of the game, which the keeper saved. But the, the free kick that he put in, that was that was out of Beckham's sort of playbook, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it when it went in. I mean, you know, to, you know, I say it every time usually when a good goal goes he put it from Rashford as well. It's sort of you know, it seems to be a huge redemption arc when um, I was reading about the game as well, after like, all the post match and things like that. its I'll keep forgetting that, you know, the jerk, because Rashford hasn't been in an England squad for a number of international games. Yeah. So you forget that his last time in an England shirt was that penalty loss to Italy when he missed. And, you know, that seemed to really take his career on a downward trajectory. And it's taken over a year and a half essentially to get him back to where, it is, where he is now and he seems to be enjoying himself. He was playing with a smile on his face and you could tell he'd ran himself into the ground. I mean, coming off the pitch at, when he was subbed off, I mean, he was just about walking off. So, you know, it's just great to see him enjoying his football again. And after what happened last summer, it's the same with Saka as well. Um, in the, You know, it's just great to see this tournament has given those players that got a horrible amount of abuse after losing twisty on penalties, really redeemed themselves and now they've put themselves back in the the good books of many England fans.
1: Yeah. Well he got his his second goal and England's third with a uh, a nice individual effort, but squeezed in between that and, and I don't actually know what the what the actual time difference was between Rashford's first goal and Foden's goal was, but it's gotta be was it just shy of a minute or, or just over a minute, but it was a a great cross from Harry Kane to uh, for Foden, just to it was put on a plate, wasn't it, for him to just tap home?
0: Yeah, well, while Harry Kane ain't scoring goals, he's setting them up, isn't he? Um, I mean, that second goal, I mean, it did come very quick. I mean, I think I glanced at my, glanced at my phone briefly, looked up, and then there we were, crossing the ball phone <laughs> and Foden putting it away. So, but no, Kane, while he hasn't been scoring, he's been really instrumental in getting the ball at the pitch and being a bit of a deep-line playmaker, even though, he's a, even though Leeds are forward line. I think the amazing thing is with Kane as well, was that on that delivery into the box, it didn't look like where Foden was. It was like instinct. So, you know, he got past the Wells player and then he just, he was literally in line with just, in line with the six-yard box and then crossed it in without even looking and Foden was there. So, clearly it might, must have been something they were working on in training or something like that, because, it's very rare those sort of things come by, even if you're not looking. So I think it's testament to the train the the players are putting in, and the, and yeah, I mean, again, F- Foden needs the gods just to cap off what a great great night he had.
1: Yeah, oh, and with with regards to Kane, I must admit, I I thought it would have been a, an ideal opportunity to have dropped him or dropped dropped him, but sort of replaced him with with Callum Wilson because obviously there's the the talk about his foot if. I, if you're going for a scan, I think clearly there's a a slight sort of thought of there's something wrong. He may say totally nothing wrong. He's he's absolutely fine. But it's not going to take much, I thought, that would uh, that knock his glass ankles and could uh, sort of put us in jeopardy for the round of 16. But he appears to be all right. But it is good that I thought that Wilson came on um, and we have got this bit of rotation, squad rotation going around.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's something that um, was quite prevalent from the 2018 uh, World Cup in our last group game because well, that was a different scenario uh, we were basically through and that Belgian game was dead rubber and Southgate used that as an opportunity to give some of those who hadn't been playing a chance but um, no I think as you said the depth the, the depth that this England team has got is amazing I mean you know we take a Walker off and bringing Trent Alexander-Arnold on um, you know we had Calvin Phillips come on and yeah, I mean, Callum Wilson is fired up for this tournament because he's he has earned a right to be there. He forced his way into the squad. And I do want to see him play a bit more often. And I think, you know, I think an injury to Kane is coming because it usually happens in England. So there will be a big injury. There usually is with an international tournament. <laughs> I'm trying not to bring be a bear of bad news, but the Senegal game is the one where I would most likely see that happening purely because of how physical they are. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Southgate's just gotta watch I keep an eye on that. Maybe Kane just needs to keep going. But I think he needs to be a bit more, you know, I think the manager needs a bit more protective of him. If, for example, like for during the Iran game, he should have come off when he was on the floor. Yeah. And then I don't think we would be in his position, but he kept him on. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, and, you know, whenever there's tackles flying in with Kane involved, I think it's going to be looking, at, looking through your fingers at the television, I think.
1: Yeah, well, we'll come on to, to Senegal in a moment, but one thing I just want to to bring up, um, we're talking um, on the 30th of November, it's the Wednesday, Ben White has um, withdrawn from the squad for personal reasons um, and wishing well for for whatever those reasons that they may be. But in that position, that centre-back position, we've we've got Harry Maguire and obviously John Stone's there. But Harry Maguire, he's having the time of his life, isn't he? Especially after all the, the negative press leading up to the tournament.
0: Yeah, I think he enjoys England camps. I think a lot of the players do, actually. They see it as a bit of a, a safe haven. Mm. I think we might have talked about this um, before, but I think Harry Maguire, a few of the players out of football. they relish in the campus, it just seems like, from what I've seen on social media, they're just all having a good time. Like, compared to it's, it's been brought up numerous times, you know, with this Southgate era, um, that, that it doesn't seem as divided, it doesn't seem as tense, but they all just seem to have a great time. I and mean, today, they've had a day off. They're just still chilling by the pool or, or roaming around Qatar, roaming around Doha, things like that. So, it seems to me there's a lot of, you know, Everyone's at ease in this England camp, and I don't think that's the case at Manchester United where it's a club that's in a bit of a mess. So I think Harry Maguire is in it, enjoys England, ca- in- England camps, and also that it's clear that he's got the fans behind him. I mean, he's got his own chant that manages to be sung numerous times during <laughs> a friendly, a qualifier, or an away trip. So, yeah, I think he uh, well, I mean, that USA performance, if it weren't for him and John Stanley, would have lost the game. So. Uh, yeah, he's, he's had an amazing tournament, but, you know, he always steps up in an England shirt. So the only thing he needs to stop is stop running with the ball and putting crosses in. If he can stop that, that'll be fine. Because he's he has been a few inches where he runs into the box, the way he runs into the box, he crosses, and it's just like, no, don't do, don't do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Well, with, as I say, Senegal in the round of 16, team that we've never played before. And as soon as I sort of realised that we've got the potential of Senegal. Never played them before. I was taken back to Cameroon of 1990. uh, Never played them before. Algeria 2010, never played them before. And especially 1990, obviously it was different times, but and and the internet wasn't around where you could look at other sides and, and be as such aware as what we are now. But we can't underestimate Senegal, can we?
0: No, and I don't. I I think these more unknown teams, if like to call it that, in terms of like being able to do research and see many of them, um, they are they are dangerous. I mean, Senegal. I watched the Senegal Ecuador game before because they played the same day as England did, and they have tremendous heart and courage and determination to get the result they need. And we can't forget they are the current African champions, so they have got you know. They're no, no mugs, this Senegal team. And I think it's it's gonna be a bit similar to that Cameroon game in nine titles. It's not gonna be pretty. It's gonna be it's gonna be physical. I would hope Southgate opts to pick a bit more of a physical team rather than a play beautiful football team because Senegal are gonna be running around like mad hatters. They're just gonna be that they're, they're the Afri- I always notice the African teams and their fitness is Miles above the European and South American teams, it is every time they don't stop running, and as well their fans will be bringing the noise. I think their fans have been amazing. I'll give them a shout out. Shout out in this tournament, they've been amazing. There's not many of them. They bring, they just make a racket. So it's (laughs) going to be difficult for England to communicate. And also they've got the um, they've got the extra motivation of Papa Dupa Diop who who passed away two years ago yesterday. And Kudabali Bali had an armband on, which is a tribute to him. Um, so, you know, that's extra motivation for them. And the way they battled back against Ecuador yesterday was impressive. And even though, I mean, we all thought Senegal weren't going to do well, do well because Mane's not there. But I think that's brought the team closer together. And I think England just need to be ready for what is going to be a relentless game of football and it might have to come down to a scrappy goal or something to get past them.
1: Intriguing game. And of course, no one wants to mention it, but now we're in the knockouts. If it does end in a draw, we know how those games go.
0: Yeah, don't want to think about it.
1: No. okay then. Matt, as always, great to speak to you.
0: No worries, Russell. Cheers for having me on.
1: Thanks to Matt Asprey there. No doubt we'll speak again soon to him. Uh, Now we know we've been drawn against Senegal in the first knockout game. It's the round of 16. So let's cross to Dakar now and speak with journalist Adame, uh, who regularly contributes to the Twitter account at Senegal English. Adame, hello there. Yeah, good evening, Russell. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yourself, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much, and you
2: two, congratulations for uh, for England's qualification for the for the next leg. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean Senegal v England never happened before, has it?
2: Yeah, it has never happened before. This is going to be the first time these two teams will be meeting either in an international tournament or in uh, a friendly match. Uh, previously, Senegal played as far as I remember twice in in England. The first was a friendly match versus Ghana, and it took place in um, I think it was in in Leeds. And the second one was uh, before the, the 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 Olympic Games in 2012 in in, in London, oh, right. this Coventry when in Coventry when we played against um, Oman in. Uh, you know, knockout game and Senegal hopefully qualified for the Olympic games. So these are the two times I think Senegal has played in, in England.
1: Oh, well, there you go. That's, that's something I never knew. I mm-hmm. mean, take take me to, to Dakar there and Senegal. Mm-hmm. How, how is Senegal reacting to, uh, to going through to the round of 16?
2: Yesterday when we qualified, when we beat uh, Ecuador, uh, that was kind of, joy everywhere you could you could see people singing dancing you could hear the horns of the of the cars you could see the colors the flag of everywhere you could see the colors of senegal like the one I'm wearing I everyone was wearing their jerseys and they were celebrating demonstrating shouting so that was like um, um it, it was not as Senegal won the last Afghon in, in February but it was like um Senegal won a trophy it, this is so because uh, many people were not expecting that Senegal would be able to, to, to do it when uh, Sadio Mane was ruled out for the World Cup. Many people, you know, less courage and they were less um, optimistic uh, with Sadio Mane missing. But hopefully they made it. That's the reason why the joy was outstanding yesterday. And and knowing that um, people were going to meet England, yeah, they, they know that they're going to, to face a bigger team than us. Uh, a stronger team with uh, talented forwards, talented midfielders, talented defenders. Uh, England could even, this is what people say around here, England could even put next side-by-side two different starting 11s that could rival to any other country in this World Cup. That's the reason why people say that it's going to be a very tough game. But yes, Senegal doesn't have anything to lose anymore that's why people are preparing this match with uh, the most of uh, you know humility and, and pleasure
1: yeah no absolutely I mean we we're not going to underestimate Senegal by any stretch of the imagination I mean we've seen obviously you are AFCON winners um, okay yes you had it with with Sadio Mane there and unfortunately mm-hmm. he's he's not in the squad this time but You've qualified through to the the World Cup. You have come through the uh, the group. You um, you started by you lost to the Netherlands. Then you beat Qatar and then Ecuador. So you and, and with quality players, obviously you've got plenty of players who who play here in England in the Premier League. Obviously, uh, Eduard Mendy is Chelsea goalkeeper. So there are very good players that you've got.
2: Yeah, like you said, Senegal um, has the players who are currently in the British Premier League. You named Mendy who plays in Chelsea. You named also Khalid um, uh, Kolebay, the captain. There is also interesting Ghana who is in Everton. There is Kuya who plays in uh, um, in uh, his team. Uh, oh, I'm not the, Yeah, Sheffield. Um, so uh, it means that um, the Ismail Aswar also is played in Watford in the second league. Yep. In addition to Nottingham Forest for for Cherukiyate, Nottingham. Sorry, Nottingham Forest, and there is also uh, Jai who plays in Championship uh, in Sheffield United. So it means that uh, yeah, there is some talent in this Senegal team. And if you remember, you spoke about the defeat against the Netherlands in the first match. Uh, that, that was uh, one of the one of the matches uh, Senegal was expecting to 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 get a, a positive result from. But unfortunately, if you remember, I don't know if you watched that game, but. Oh, until 85 minutes, um, Senegal was doing pretty well. They contained yeah. the, the 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 defense from from the Netherlands, but unfortunately, because of a small mistake, you know, one of the midfielders when Kuyata got injured and uh, ruled out, he was replaced by Gay, who was supposed the instruction was that he should not let uh, Frankie De Jong uh, free of passing, but unfortunately, in one or two seconds. Frankie de got enough time to make a good cross for Cody Gakpo, who is a very uh, good forward in his squad. And afterwards, Senegal tried to equalise, rushed out and left... A lot of space behind, and there was a counter attacking, and then Janssen called the second goal in the in additional time. So it means that it, it, it was a kind of defeat. You don't ex- you don't necessarily deserve because at that yeah. time I don't think the the overall the overall um, structure of the match um, deserved a loss from Senegal. But anyway, this is high uh, high competition. You know, small details they, they matter, right? You have yeah. to account for types of mistake you can make. But immediately after Senegal knew that there was Qatar behind and then also Ecuador. So the instruction was clear. Senegal has to win these two other games. That's the reason if you see um, the starting 11 from the first match to the second, it was slightly different. The coach decided... To put on a rather uh, offensive team and hopefully Senegal scored three goals. And then uh, in the third game, it was much more difficult because Ecuador, you know, one statistic from Ecuador, from the Ecuador side, they, uh, out of their last eight games, they only took one goal. And it was the goal they took against the Netherlands uh, with Kodi You see, uh, Brazil and Argentina, they knocked their head on a stone when they faced um, Ecuador. So you see that it was all the more difficult for Senegal as it was necessary for Senegal to win in order to go to the next uh, to the round of 16. So you see that it was very hard, but hopefully uh, yesterday you saw the game. It was very tough. Senegal got um, a goal and then immediately after the equalisation from the Ecuadorians, Senegal scored a second goal by um, Koulibaly, the captain who plays in Chelsea. So it means that, yeah, Senegal, no. I'm telling you, Russell, Senegal doesn't have anything to lose anymore. Even no. if we know that England was stronger, yeah, we're happy
1: to be here. Well, the manager Alou Cisse, he's obviously built that pride, that passion, and the desire for the for the Senegal team and the players there who are playing for him. Of course, he's got English links as well. He formerly played at Birmingham City and at Birmingham, Portsmouth. Yeah, yeah so but obviously he's a he's a well respected manager over in Senegal. Is he?
2: Absolutely. Yesterday, I was on a on a TV show where we were speaking about the game, and what I said was that Alou Cisse, on no account, it's clear that he is the most important, the most important figure of Senegalese football history. I'm not saying he's the most talented; he is not absolutely the most talented, but the most prominent figure in the history of our football is undoubtedly out of CSA. You said it. He played in the Premier League after leaving France, Portsmouth, Birmingham, etc. Even though his career has not been outstanding in club, international team, he led the team in 2002 when we reached the quarterfinals in 2002 in uh, Japan and South Korea. And at the time, he was the captain of the team, right? And then immediately after he became the head coach when the French Alan Judas left in 2015, after being knocked out in the first round of the Afghan in 2015. And ever since Sissé has been here, it was seven years ago. Let me remember. Let me remind you of something. When Sissé arrived in 2015, a lot of people were in favor of his appointment as a head coach. But on the other side, there is another group of people who are saying that Sise is not experienced enough to be able to manage this team. Why are we appointing him while he doesn't have any experience other than when he was the deputy head coach in the Olympic Games in 2012 when Senegal reached the quarterfinals as well? So, but hopefully, the president of the federation accepted to maintain him as the head of the team. And the first Afghan he did, he qualified at was in 2017. Senegal at the time. Had one of the best teams, and Senegal was expected even to go until the end to win that AFCON because we had uh, very good players, including Sadio Mane, Khaled Koulibaly, Jabal Deke, Taidr Sagana, Git Malasar, etc. But unfortunately, Senegal was eliminated after the penalty knockout in the quarterfinals by yeah. Cameroon, who ultimately will win the tournament. That was a big disappointment, yeah. and everyone was saying this has to be sacked. But the foundation maintained what comes next, World Cup in 2018, final of the AFCON in 2019. He won the AFCON again last February, and then he returned to the to the to the World Cup and he just qualified for the second leg. All this means that CC on oh, no doubt, he is our man, the man of our football.
1: Seems like the, the Senegal FA had a plan in place. Um, and stuck to it, and and look where you are now. You're reaping the benefits. Yeah, you mentioned mm. the the 2002 game. Obviously, it was or the 2002 tournament. We all kicked off with that amazing shock win, wasn't it, against France? Um, yes. And you went on to to lose to Turkey. But back then, you had. You had these players that ring bells with me. There was obviously Henry Kamara, El Diouf, who's played for Liverpool, Papa yep. Diop. all these yeah. sort of regular names um, for Senegal that English people will recognise. Absolutely. What, what do you remember of 2002? And, and can you see another shock, just like that France game?
2: Yeah, 2002 was one of uh, the most beautiful histories of our football. Like you said, there were some of the players used to play in England uh, you, you named uh, a few of them uh, maybe there is also uh, we, we can add also Amdify who at that time was in postmouth and also other players including Ferdinand Colley who afterwards uh, went to play in the second league I think it was in Middlesbrough if I'm not mistaken so right. it means that um, even the, that group of people they knew also the, the British Premier League which has been over the de- decades the, the, the most, um, the greatest uh, championship, the toughest one, which is known to be uh, the British Premier League. Yeah, in 2000, it was nice. (laughs) I was wearing at that time. I was in college, I think. But yeah, it was a big remembrance because everywhere in the streets, we were here because uh, remember when we back France, it was it was really something unexpected because uh, a lot of French players at that time, they were saying maybe Senegal is the weakest of the group and it was clear for them that they would they would be Senegal easily because at that time. David Trezeguet was the goal-scorer in Italy, in the Calcio. Um, uh, Thierry Andre was the goal-scorer in the Premier League. And also, Gervais Cisse was the goal-scorer in, in, the, in the French League. So all of them, they were in that team, and they were expected to be big teams with Zinedine Zidane, you know, being the, bo- the best player of the world, who just won the Champions League with Real Madrid against Leverkusen. So it means that at that time, Senegal was really the small, the small uh, Goliath, the small David, who was to face Goliath, right? Yeah. But hopefully, yeah, we did it. But may he rest in peace. You know, yesterday... Uh, was the year two of his uh, his death and all it was right. a big symbol for the senegal side. If you remember Khalid on his uh, armband he got the number 19 which yeah. used to be Papa Guba Job's number with the national jersey. So all this means that 2002 was really one of the best histories of our football and of course if you ask me how I lived it I was really happy even though I was much younger than I am now. <laughs> <old.
1: laughs> great stuff. No, great to hear that. Yeah. Obviously England are the opposition, and we've had we had a 6-2 victory over Iran. We had a, a dismal nil-nil draw with America, and a 3 0 victory over Wales. How do you see England? I mean, do you think they are they should be playing better? What's what's the perception in in Senegal of England?
2: Let, let me be honest with you. You know, some people here sometimes compare. Gareth Southgate with ali Cisse because um, whenever he goes to a big tournament, he does positive results. But yet he is still criticized at home. So I, I guess this is somewhat the case with uh, Gareth Gare Southgate. Yeah. Uh, even though last World Cup he played in the semi final, the last Euro he went to the final. So it means that he's doing pretty well. He's doing a good job, even though he has a lot of talent. Let let's say it. Mm-hmm but it's approximately the same for all but from here in senegal how we see this team of england yeah we see it as um the team which um symbolizes the greatness of the the greatness of the british championship the british league the british premier league because uh, most of them uh, if you look at the right backs, you have, uh, you have a current trip you have French Alexander Arnold, you have Kyle Walker, yeah. and you have even some who did not come because Rhys James did not come. He was ruled yeah. out because of entry. So it means that the Senegal here, when you speak about Britain, there are, by the way, a lot of people who support British, who support England um, uh, from Senegal here. And whenever you speak about the same people uh, as the majority here, they watch the British Premier League, they know all the players, and they say that this team is really strong because uh, if you consider it the forwards as well, you have Bukayo Saka, you have Raheem Sperling, you have Carl Wilson, you have the Captain Hurricane, yeah. you have Phil Foden. So what the hell? Can Senegal do facing this team? You see what I mean? So that's the reason why I was saying to you a moment ago that Senegal, they they know that they have few chances. Even though it's a tournament, anything can happen because Senegal bet France in 2002. Tunisia just bet France 1-0, even though France, the the best players, did not play today. But people, people understand that it will be very difficult for them to beat England. But... They're happy that I have qualified because uh, Sadia is not here and he's the best player of the team. He is the one who was expected to do everything. He is not here. So if Senegal reaches the, 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 the round of 16th, it's already fine. It doesn't mean, however, that they will not play until uh, uh, the end of the game and they will try their chances. They know they have a few chances in this team. Among these chances, let me tell you something, people believe that England's midfield is a bit misbalanced. The focus wow. is on the defenders and the forwards. Most of the time, he's playing uh, uh, um, with two players who can be Jude and uh, and, and and Rice. So in this midfield, sometimes the other players who are in the who, who play in the wings, most of the time they don't make enough efforts to come back and defend when they are not in possession of the ball. And Senegal uh, people are have started saying that we can have a chance facing this team if there is a low block of players, if we have offensive transitions, if you have close attack opportunities, this can be exploited all the more. And this is my viewpoint. I don't like Pickford. I don't believe Pickford is the best goalkeeper of England. I don't know. Maybe it's because he was here before Pope and and, and Ramsdale. But if it depends on me, I'll definitely play Nick Pope because for me, Pope is the best goalkeeper. But the coach has his reasons. And I believe that maybe in this game, let's say that um, maybe uh, Pickford will make one mistake and Senegal can have a goal from that mistake. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well we shall see Ah, uh, no it's great to speak to you and, and hear your insight into it thank you now i mean just just one thing for for the listeners just tell us a little bit about senegal not not the team but as a country what, what's senegal famous for
2: oh yes thank you russell but if you want me to speak to you to speak to you about senegal let's say that we have a lot of uh tourism sites tourism right. is very interesting here and Including this, we have uh, some islands in the coastal area. Many people, including from England, they each year they come here and, and stay for some time. Other than that, you know, I like our national dish, which is called chebujen. Chebuchen is a mix of rice and fish. Cheb means rice, gen means fish. If you come here in Senegal, Russell, don't miss the Chebujan from Senegal because that's one of the best things we can sell to the world. And whenever foreigners come here, before they go, they say Chebujan. Yes, Chebujan. Yes. So the English people, if ever you come to Senegal, ask for the Chebujan, the rice and fish, very famous around here.
1: You've sold me on it. I I need to come and and try that. It's always great to hear just a little bit more about a country that perhaps we, we well, obviously we've never played before. Adame, yeah. look, thank you very much for joining us on the Three Lions podcast. Appreciate your time. I want to say all the very best. May the best team win. Let's hope it's a good game.
2: Yeah, may the best team win. And whatever happens, I'll be happy because I'll be supporting England behind if ever they qualify because I'm a big Arsenal fan.
1: Oh, and oh. we
2: have Bukayo Saka and we have Ramsdale in the team. So let's go.
1: I'll tell you what, if England go out, I will follow Senegal.
2: Oh, thank you, Russell. But (laughs) whatever happens, I'll be fine. Hopefully, whatever happens, if England qualifies, I'll be behind them and I'll be supporting them, for sure.
1: Great stuff. Now, amidst all the World Cup action, you may have missed the sad news of the passing of a couple of former Three Lions. As I always like to do on the podcast is pay my own tributes to whoever has passed away. If they've worn the England shirt, then they deserve all the recognition. Now, first up, David Johnson passed away on Wednesday the 23rd of November, aged 71. He was born in Liverpool in 1951. As a striker, he began his career with Everton. Then he moved to Ipswich, then managed by Bobby Robson, before going back home, but this time to the red half of the city, where he won the league championship, a league cup and a European cup with Liverpool. He did, though, return to Everton in 1982, before his career took him to the likes of Barnsley. Manchester City and Preston North End. During his career, he was capped by England eight times, scoring five. He was selected by Don Revy, where he scored twice on his debut at home to Wales in 1975 in a two-all draw, then one against Scotland in his next game, which was a 5-1 victory. He didn't play from October 1975 until February 1980 for England, which was when Ron Greenwood was manager. And he scored in 1980 against then world champions Argentina in a match where Diego Maradona was seen wearing an England shirt at full time. Then, on the 27th of November, Maurice Norman passed away at the age of 88. Morris was a squad member of the 1958 team that went to Sweden, but didn't play a part in that competition. He was then selected for the 1962 World Cup squad, where he played all four games as a defender, alongside Bobby Moore. He earned 23 caps for England between 1962 and 1964. He began his career at Norwich City, but moved to Tottenham Hotspur where he played 357 times and was a major part of the double-winning team of 1961. Unfortunately, he became injured in 1965, which put a premature end to his career. Condolences go to both their families and friends at this time. Many thanks go to Matt Astbury and also to Adama from Senegal. You can find his contributions over at, at Senegal English on Twitter. I'll link to him and, of course, that on the Three Lions podcast Twitter account. Cheers for tuning in, always appreciated. Enjoy the Senegal game wherever you may watch it. I'm hoping to speak with some England fans who have been over in Qatar. Uh, for a special episode coming very soon. If I'm lucky, I might be able to get that out in the next couple of days. So stay subscribed and you won't miss it. One more thing before I go. Just wanted to say well done to Jill Scott, crowned Queen of the Jungle on I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. I have to say it's not my usual thing to watch, especially with one of the participants in it this year. But as the saying goes... You can only beat what's put in front of you. And Jill Scott did. Well done, you. I'll catch up with you again very soon. Thanks for listening. Cheers.